Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by Amazing Stories Comics in Saskatoon. Amazing Stories is the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Retailer in Canada. Stop by the store for Friday night board games at 7pm. Play and receive 20% off any purchase of board games in the store. Hey there, welcome to this episode of Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss La Granja and Underwater Cities. (laughs) (laughs) What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes, and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing fairly well. How are you doing? You were really quiet. You kind of freaked me out there for a second. <laughs> it's like super quiet. I'm um, uh, freaking yeah. out. I like whispering too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm going to apologize already. So everybody who's uh, taking a drink, I, I just said it. So there you go. Um, we're going to, before we get into our reviews, usually we do a little round table on uh, what has hit the table. So uh, Ryan, why don't you lead us off with what, uh, what you've played in the, sure. in the most sure. recent past? Should this just be my uh, my my regular update on how the rise of Queensdale is going? Yes, yeah, it's like a soap opera. I know this so we, week on the rise of Queensdale. Yep. So we just got this to just the table just this past weekend. So we're recording this on Tuesday. We just did this on Saturday, where we got we knocked out another couple games where um, I thought that I'm gaining ground on Ian's in the lead right now. He's only got. At that time, he had about he has like four more um, epochs to finish. I think that's what they refer to them as. Yep. And I was uh, five epoch. I needed five. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, I need five epochs. And so I won. I, I managed to meet my goal in the first game, so gaining a bit of ground on. E- but then in the next game that we played, everybody at the table. Uh, so my wife Jen, Ian's wife Kim, and Ian all met their goals and I didn't meet mine. <laughs> so I, I kind of stayed status quo and everybody else kind of gained a little bit of ground. So Jen and Kim got a little bit better, uh, got a little bit closer. Ian is now very close to uh, to winning the entire game because the way Rise of Queensdale works is that you have to win, uh, you have to meet certain epoch goals, a certain number of these. Yeah. Um, and so he is getting very, very close. Um, he's got a pretty darn good engine going at, at this point. I was just going to ask, is there any way that you slow that down or is it just pretty much you got to catch up? Um, pretty much. He managed to meet his goal actually quite efficiently because we 
unlocked something something pretty neat that actually gave him a little bit of a boost but now he has no access to it now okay so now in the next game he doesn't have this particular this particular boost the way that i got my goal in my first game is that i also got a boost and i just like skyrocketed up my my points ladder to get to my to my goal so that 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 little unlock was actually kind of neat but we're going to since he met his new goal we're going to unlock some new things the next time we uh, the next time we play, which is actually kind of interesting. I like, now, I like, I like the unlocking thing. Cool. Have you guys unlocked a, a lot of the, uh, the, the components or is there's just still a lot more game to dive into? Um, so since we're, we're getting near, we're getting closer to the end and they didn't do a very good job of, of hiding, um, the, the, the components that you're going to use in this game, like there are sticker sheets, but these sticker sheets are just like full of stickers and they're, 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 they're all, they're all there. So you, yeah. if, if you're a Snoopy person, you could actually just sit there and look at them and like, Hmm, I wonder what that's for. Hmm, they're just trying to for. hide them amongst the confusion. Yeah. And then there's like punch, there's punch out boards where the, you just, sometimes it just says, Hey, you got to punch out these tokens refer to section 14. And then you'd look at, Oh, cool. Yeah, some tokens. Um, there's still a ton that we haven't even touched on, but I think based on just how some, how this gameplay, I don't, I think there's lots of stuff that we're not even going to see. In oh, this, well, in, I mean, in yeah, that's, our good. that's good. So Cause there, I mean, replayability right there. Yeah. So there'll be a chance that if I picked up another copy of rise of Queensland and played it with a different group, I, we would see completely different things. Cool. I think the main um, components are going to stay the same from from play to play, but I think there's these things called story cards. And um, if somebody doesn't push the epochs forward, so like say everybody's kind of yeah. staying a little status quo, you get to actually reveal these story cards, which gives you some sort of little thing that happens inside of a inside of a game or unlocks something. So so if so, everybody starts turtling. The game goes no. We're gonna keep. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna push so, forward. So, so, so if Ian doesn't keep pushing the game forward, yeah, um, we would unlock more of these story cards. Okay. And so, so Ian, if you're listening, slow down, man. <laughs> but he, he's, he's 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 foot foot on the pedal, gas vast gas gas pedal right down to the floor, and he's flying. Okay. So. What now? Okay, here's a good question. After so many plays, is it still entertaining? I'm still just enjoying the fact that we get to unlock some new gameplay, <laughs> new gameplay things. Um, cause, and, and, and like I said, like, there, like on our, on our action boards, there's still places for stickers. Like there's still more actions for us to unlock. Cool. And, uh, how, yeah, does, it, how does it compare to some of the legacy games you've played already? This one's kind of more middle of the road. I more enjoy like the, the pandemic legacies. Um, Charterstone. I don't know. This one's kind of in the same vein. This one's kind of more of a gamer's version of Charterstone. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed Charterstone, so uh, that 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 one's kind of hard to top. But this one kind of I like it. It's all one really big game. Awesome. And yeah, it, it's just kind of this telling a smaller story. Like I've mentioned before, that the story is kind of at the backseat of 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 the gate of the gameplay. Here, there is some sort of little bit of a story, but okay, cool. Well, I like that. Yeah, so update on Rise of Queensdale. We'll probably get it back to the table in a couple weeks or something like that. And right on. <laughs> and we'll get the part uh was it part probably part four? Yeah. Oh I, I bet you I've talked about it more than that. But <laughs> well, I got to table a couple times one of my favorite 
dice games. One of your top games of all time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think I might have to revisit that list because I've played a lot of stuff. And But I, I got to the table Trois, which is which is uh, like the Dujardin, Georges, the guys that did uh, Carson City, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, I love this game. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted not to start getting into a hardcore review because I'm just so excited about it, but... Uh, you've played this before, right? You oh, have, yeah. It's 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 a fantastic it's a fantastic um action selection and the card um, system. Yeah, yeah. And and to be able the fact that you can actually buy other people's um dice. That's, that they, oh man, that's what that's what I love and hate about this game. You know, on the same edge of the sword is is that you want to roll some good numbers, but you don't because you don't want people to go buy in your dice. Now, um, it's that whole, what do you, do you call it? Dice worker placement, dice, you know, action selection. I mean, yeah, it's, some, so many, it's something along the way. Yeah. Your, your main thing is that you're using the, you're using the dice to perform certain actions. And I like that it's, it's a game that within the game has all of the, the juicy bits that I love, like the worker placement. Once you, you know, once the card, the era cards flip over, you get to be, you know, the first of two people putting a worker into the buildings that uh, the cards of the buildings that these guys, come, you know, come up in. So the the worker placement I love, the uh, the area control part of your um, your your meeples in the building itself that generates the dice. You remember that part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah where you can use your dice to kick somebody out of either city hall or the palace or the church, right? Um, that part is this super passive, aggressive, interesting, you know, uh, uh, area control influence, I guess, because you need to get certain amount of uh, different colored dice representing the houses to help you trigger the workers in the cards of the, oh, there's just layers upon layers of, of oh, yeah. Pull this lever and it can do you know multiple things. Yeah, it's yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah, I like that part where you have to have the influence in those certain areas just to get the dice. Yeah, and if you and if you don't have the influence and you like don't have any dice, you're gonna, you're going to end up having to buy buy them. Yeah, from other people. So yeah, and and like we always have our, our discussions that um, my brain clicks into theme so so kind of you know. Uh, um, flawlessly and you're the math guy right so you're always working out the algorithms i love that whole idea of contributing to the construction of the cathedral because every french middle ages town will have themselves a cathedral and and those and those um the bad events oh yeah come up to that negatively affects like the game state it, it, that it bottom row every, of marauders and and it affects and, everybody and so everybody should hopefully be can helping to contribute to limiting those or you could just be a just a just an a-hole and just say nope i'm not gonna well, participate to that i don't care if what happens to me but the fame the fame and the victory points that you can generate from from using that as a strategy because we just played and dave um changed it up and he went he went pretty much all in um uh tr- trying to get as many of those uh, uh event cards um we played the last game we played was with the expansion the ladies of trois and uh the purple dice is awesome because that's the only dice that where you can have a soul confidence that is not going to get touched right it's sort of like mine 
<laughs> and you hang on to it. Um, but I've, I've, I've played a few times with the expansion and I've noticed that uh, the base game is just so strong that sometimes you just don't even bother going around the ramparts to trigger all these other, the other four locations that can create, uh, um, you know, more dimension to the game. But of everything of the Ladies of Twa expansion, I like easy, just the purple dice, your own purple dice that you can use as a wild card. I love that. So, so is, is, is the expansion? I haven't played with the expansion. Is it modular? Is it can can you just like just play with just the purple dice and not absolutely, really yeah, them? yeah, oh, absolutely, and perfect. Yeah, um, I'm I still want to explore the like the synergy that these the expansion um, tiles have with the whole base game, but that base game just runs like such a efficient engine. I just, I can't froth enough about it. <laughs> so yeah. And I mean, you've, you've played this, you've got some opinions. Yeah, no, it, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's the one of the, so it's a solid Euro. It, it's one of the best. And of course it's out of print, I believe. I think so. Uh, yeah, it came back into print there for a little bit, and then I yeah, last I think like last year or something like that, it came back yeah. into print for a while, and now I, um, yeah, it might might be a little bit harder to find. <laughs> There's this is the funny part. I mean, it has nothing to do with the game; it's the box cover. There's so many people that just look at this and go, "This is the ugliest thing I have ever seen," and I don't know. I look at it and I just, it's like. I ugly duckling love syndrome, I guess, because it's it's like, well, yeah, it's the the art is one thing that I actually I really enjoy about this game. It's so it's so different. It's so unique. Yeah, absolutely. You feel like somebody that it comes so from the Middle Ages. Let's uh, take us into the into our feature uh, uh, point here, um, the the opinions and conclusions, our two cents. So Ryan, um, uh, the the honor is yours. Sure, I, I guess we're kind of doing the back to our kind of roots here, where I kind of got a I've got a newer title, you've got not as newer, but it, it's not it's not an oldie. Well, in Board game years. <laughs> Board game years. Board game years. The spine is starting to creak a little <laughs> bit, hey? <laughs> so my pick for this time around is I'm going to be talking about Underwater Cities. Um, game. Oh, delicious. Game, oh, literally uh, produced, uh, sorry, published by um, Delicious Games and distributed by um, Rio Grande. I didn't even mean to make that pun, but hey, dad joke. Dad jokes. Um, designer here, Vladimir Sushi. Sushi? Yep. Yeah. Um, a designer that I've started to kind of adore. Um, oh, I love my shipyard. That which is a game I'm still yet to play, but I was a, a big fan of uh Pulsar, Pulsar 2049, which is a which is a fantastic dice selection um game, but it, but in underwater cities, well, how about I do the dramatic read through? You do the dramatic read through, not 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 like oh, a... the, uh, it was released. Um, I believe this game was released late last year, and kind of hit more retail and kind of like a second printing earlier this year. 
Yeah. So it's a it's a 2017 slash two sorry 2018 slash 2019 release. Yeah. Um, so lots of places now have this in in regularly in stock. But underwater cities, the next frontier. The Earth is overpopulated. The colonization of Mars is always four decades is always four decades away. Only one avenue is open for human expansion: the world under the sea. Do 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 under the sea. Oh oh, copyright. <laughs> Players compete to build the best underwater nation, an archipelago of undersea cities connected by a network of transportation tunnels, kelp farms, and desalination plants. Desalination plants. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> we'll provide Don't worry, I won't food and water. <laughs> Laboratories, I'm going to use that one. <laughs> we'll give you the knowledge you need to run everything more efficiently. Perhaps you will even be able to build symbiotic cities fully integrated with the underwater ecosystem. Beginning as a single city, you will expand your network connecting it with the coastal metropolises. At a time when hunger has exceeded agriculture output and water shortages strain the bonds of the Federation of Nations, you will build a nation that is self-sustaining, perhaps even someday exporting your products to those who have been left ashore. This is your task. This is your destiny. The world's hopes lie in your underwater cities. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, Underwater Cities, game for one, they say one to four players. It's got a solo mode that I still yet to explore. Um, playing in about, they say, about 40 minutes per player, which is fairly accurate if you're familiar with the, with the game. The, your, yeah. your first plays are going to be a little bit longer than that, especially if you're playing at the full uh, four-player count, which, <laughs> which is a long longer game yeah but what like you said once you got that system down once you get this is yeah, your yeah. early plays are going to be a, a little yeah. bit longer you have to teach yourself yeah okay so in underwater cities how do you win this game score the most points <laughs> all right done thank you very much <laughs> score score the score the most points oh yes it's a euro game it's 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 a hardcore euro game at the at its heart but the but the way you score your points is by this pretty nifty action selection system where uh, the heart of the game is based off of um, cards. It's going to be a, a, a kind of like a card selection and you play these cards down type of game. And you're going to kind of slowly build up a, a sometimes you're going to build up a, a tableau of, of cards that are going to trigger certain actions. Um, so on your turn, what you're going to end up doing is you have a little, the, I think they actually call it a submarine, but really it's a rectangular chit with your, player color on it and what you're going to do is you're going to take that chit and you're going to select one of the now depending on which side of the board you're playing on if you're playing on the two player side there's not as many action spots but that's on the three or four player side but you're going to take your chin you're going to select one of the actions on the outside of this board and there's three main areas there's um kind of like the the orangey yellow area there's the red area and there's the green area and these also match the cards that you have in your hand. Um, all the cards are either going to be um, this orangey, yellow, red, or a green. And what I'm going to do is, is uh, once I place down my little chit on one of these action spots, I also have to play a card. Um, now, if I do play a card that matches the color of that area, I also get to take the action of the card. That's the part I love the most. Yeah. That, that that is really nifty. Trying because what you're trying to do is you're trying to optimize oh, yeah. your 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 turns. 
Um, that's getting a little ahead, but I'll I'll come back to that a little bit later. So yes, you're going to play. You're going to take your chit, select an action, play a card. Um, you get to do this three times in a round, and all the other players also get to take these um, same actions over. And what you're going to end up doing is you're going to be playing over the course of oh, I just lost it. Ten rounds. One, two, I three. Think so. Yeah. Four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, ten rounds. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to play this over 10 rounds. So you're really only Four getting three. Yeah. You're only getting really 30 actions over the course of this whole game. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to try to combo mm, and com combo, yeah. combo these, these cards. So now the types of cards that you can draft are. Um, so when I play a card, what I can do is. Sometimes a card has just got an instant effect. I play the card as long as it matches the action selection spot that I took. Um, I can have a instant action, get some resources, do a converting, do something. You get an instant action. You can also have production cards, which will trigger during production time. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. And other ones are also could be um, just like ongoing benefits that you could have. So kind of like uh, you, you play the card now. Yeah. Now I have now I can do something a little bit better than everybody else. Hold more cards in your hand, and yeah, those um, those are cool. Yeah, yeah. Build buildings a little bit more efficiently, which I may as well just talk about now because what you're going to end up doing is you are building a little underwater network of cities, and everybody always starts with one, and then you are going to slowly grow it out on your own little personal player board. And there's actions that allow you to build little buildings. Um, your kelp farms, your desalination plants, got it this time. Yay! And your laboratories. Uh, you're going to try to build these, and also you're going to also try to build tunnels because tunnels will eventually connect your other cities that you're going to end up building to your, I'm going to just say your starting building because everything. Yeah. Your first you, pod. Yeah, if you because if you want to trigger during production, only cities and buildings connected to your original home base will actually do something during production. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so you, and you're going to trigger production for all of these buildings. And then something, what you want to do is that there's going to be actions where you can upgrade these things. So now they become a upgraded desalination plant. There's an upgraded kelp farm. There's an upgraded labor, um, laboratory which and is an interesting balance because that's an action that you have to use out of the limited actions that you're going to get in the game so yeah right yeah. And, and these and these upgraded um buildings will trigger a little bit better production one yeah. thing that i really like is that you get super good production if you manage to get two upgraded of the same type in the same city now, at that, you're going to have a cost because at the end of the game, you actually score more points for the number of different types of buildings in your cities. I think it is if you have one of each type in, the, in a city, you get um, six points, whereas hmm. if you only have two different types in a city, you only get four points. Something some down it to you. Yeah. But yeah. having two of the same upgraded building <laughs> are really, really nice to trigger during production. I know. It's like, what do you do? Yeah, so <laughs> I got opinions about that. That that's that's really that's really cool. Um, other things that you're doing during this game is um, building these tunnels because on your player board too, you've got metropolises on the outside edges. Yeah, 
And if you can ever connect your home base to one of these metropolises, um, two of them kind of give you kind of like a very instant effect of something that can happen or even, even give you something that you can trigger during production. Yeah. And then there's like the big main metropolis that actually has, it's, it's harder to reach because it requires two tunnels to get to, but it'll actually provide you with some sort of opportunity of end game scoring bonuses. Yeah. Only if you can actually connect to that city afterwards. And there's a number of different ones that they just kind of get randomly distributed amongst the players at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And I love that fact that for each player, they're different. Yes. Yeah. It just, uh, oh, just. It's, and there's so many, there's so oh. many of them that you, chances are that in two games in a row that you get the same one is very low. Yeah. So um, other things that are happening in here, some other ways that you can score points is that there are these end, I'll, I'll call them end of game scoring cards. I think they refer to them as special cards in the, yes. in the, in yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. And there's um, a nice little stack of them, but only six of them get revealed at the at the game so and there's an actual action slot that you actually have to take in order to claim one of those special cards so you actually have to take an action to take one of those cards into your hand and and don't they have a cost to play as well yeah if you want yeah. to play that card um those ones i believe they cost you three credits yeah but there's a cost reward system with those with those special yeah. cards too yeah that's yeah. i love that too yeah or um, not not just necessarily those end of game scoring, but there's always one face up um, special card that kind of also has like a very special action, usually something that you can do along the edge of the board just a little bit better. Isn't there an option where you just blind draw the top three or something like that? Yeah, what you can actually do is you don't actually have to take that top card. What you can do is you can put it on the bottom of the deck and then draw three and then and select one of those three cards. Yeah, um, from from that. Um, other things that there will be happening on your turns here is that there is a variable turn order um, based on yeah. this thing called the federation track. So there's certain actions that you can take that will bump you up on this federation track. And depending on how high up that federation track you get, um, will determine the player order for the uh, for the next round. So that's a that's actually a neat thing. So then, yeah, what would you what you're going to do is. Uh, I think the first era, the game is broken into three eras. Mm -hmm. um, so era one is four rounds. And then after four rounds, you're going to trigger production. And then second and third eras are only three rounds where they will trigger production. And at the end of the third era, at the end of the third era's production, that's where you'll score your, all, all of your end of game, end of game points. Production is the one part that I really adore about this game mm -hmm. because it's actually, it's, it's not just an action selection game where you're just trying to do things, convert resources and everything, but slowly it's an engine building game too. Yeah. Like your first era, you're just kind of working your way up. Cause then after in that first round, you feel like you really can't do a whole heck of a lot because you're just, you seem like you're just taking actions just to build some buildings. You're putting things in place, yeah. Yeah, you, you, feel, you kind of feel like you're not really doing a whole heck of a lot, but then you trigger your first round of production, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm getting resources, I'm getting things. Now at the second round, oh, I can do a lot now. Once you now, start getting a surplus, then you start figuring out how to feed this engine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, every, so everything connected to your original um, home base city is going to produce. So like... um. The uh, laboratories are going to produce you science. 
and science is usually your main resource that you're going to use for upgrading. Yeah. Um, but is it the, um, the desalination plants? They provide you, oh no, I think I just taught, no, desalination plants give you uh, money. Yeah. They give you money and credits. And sometimes if you have the upgraded ones, you get that wild card, what do they call it? Biomatter. Which is like kind of like a wild card resource, the red pelt, and then the um, what is it? The the, the kelp, kelp farms. The kelp farms are going to give give you kelp, which is actually kind of needed because at the end of every production, you actually have to feed your cities. Yeah, what well, can can't be a euro unless yep. you're feeding people. Unless you're feeding your cities, but uh, yeah, so th- yeah, you just get the kelp, and then also um, tunnels. Every tunnel that you've got um, gives you a gives you a, a dollar uh, sorry a credit and upgraded tunnels will give you um, also a point i think mm-hmm. every round um there's two types of cities you can build you can just build normal cities which are kind of like the gray domes but you can also build the uh, symbiotic cities yeah. which are which are a little bit they're a little bit more but they also produce you points during production as well so cool oh I that was like some I, serious nuts and bolts, man. I was like, did I miss it? Um, oh, everybody starts off with their personal assistant card. I oh, always I missed, missed I missed about the action cards. This is the cool piece. Go, so, go, go so yeah, the, 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 all those other cards, but then there's also special cards called action cards. And the action cards are kind of neat because you can only have four action cards <laughs> in your tableau. All those other cards, you can have as many of them as you want, but you can only ever have four action cards. And you actually have to take a action space that triggers an action card. And once you spend an action card, you don't get it back until the end of production. That era, yeah. Till that era. So it's not like just once per turn I get this. No, I, I only get it done once every era. What uh, what I th- what I like the most about the action cards is if... Because you can have four... But you can put more in. You just got to kick one out. And when you kick one out, you trigger the action. That is so neat. I know. Like you, I love when, that when, part. So there, there's an interesting thing where you can combo. As, as soon as you kick out your uh, an action card, yeah, you get to trigger that kind of like the last hurrah yeah. of, of, get, of getting what that, what that action can do. Yeah, cool. Whew. So, um, uh, and I apologize for anybody who's more experienced with this game if I've if I've um, missed anything, but uh, essentially the actions along the edge of the board are just generally your generic like, gather resources, put buildings on the board, upgrade things. Don't feel too bad because it is conjecture, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, based on the form of incomplete information. There we go. So we're not lying to anybody. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, like you said. Basic Euro, score the most points, right? Score the most points. So are, are you ready for some opinions? And I have a few. Do some outside in. So let's start off with that box. So your box is kind of like your standard um, standard Euro size box. Not a ticket to ride size box, but kind of like the smaller. The rectangle. Um, the, 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 yeah, the rectangle, but the, but the art lays sideways instead of going up and down, which is... Yeah. Not not necessarily anything. The art you use that letterbox idea. It's a letterbox kind of picture. Yeah, yeah the, the art is. I'm not 100 sold on the art. It, it it's functional. I can say it's functional, but I am not completely in love with the graphic design. But um, you don't hate it. 
but I don't, but I don't hate it. Like I said, it's functional. It conveys all the cards convey what they are trying to do. I, I'm not paying attention more to the art. I'm trying to, when I'm in this game, I'm more paying attention to what, what are the actions, what yeah. is the stuff that I'm going to get out of it. Oh, you're straight into the components, man. The, the, the box art just led you straight to the card art, but let's keep going because the cards oh, yeah. are awesome. Yeah, the, the 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 whole game is about the card play, and so yeah, yeah the the cards the cards are great. They're all pretty functional. They've got nice card quality. Have you sleeved them yeah. yet? I did. <laughs> 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 and, and of course, they're, they're they're that awkward euro size. So you have to get like the different sleeves than your like your standard um, uh, card card sleeve. These these ones are actually quite kind of a different. Um, on the sleeve side, so it was kind of hard, but you had to do. I had to do some digging on BC, BGG on uh, what was the most appropriate card size for these. <laughs> All right, but uh, uh rule but book. Uh, I'm, oh, oh, components still. I'm because, oh, I'm jumping the gun, yeah, because sorry, are, take a sip because components here are it's uh, they're just cardboard chits. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> And, um, and and sorry, and and a little beef too is um, the buildings are those little little cylindrical um, um, bits. Oh yeah, yeah. And so 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 if so, placing one down on your little player board that's that's not a big deal. But when you want to upgrade it, you have to stack it, and yeah. they don't stack very nicely. And the bumpability, it, man, you bump your board and it just, it's gone. If, if, it, if it's an upgraded building, they if a slight bump to the table, they're falling over. Um, I've, I've heard a number of podcasts, the small, I don't know what, I don't know what it would have cost in production wise, but uh, if they could have introduced a little bit of concavity to them so that they would stack a little bit nicer. But uh, that's just a little, little qualm of mine, but everything else, just cardboard chits. They're, they're, they're fine, but this the stacking of the buildings <laughs> uh, could have done you, something a little bit more you want that double layered mat that has a little socket fit in it right don't you oh don't, i'm you so, want the sideboard I'm, that's what you want i'm oh don't give me card uh, on like the, the, the play the <laughs> you, you've seen the player aid right yeah that, that, yep. <laughs> the flimsy piece of paper but it communicates but but, but i got the rio grande version Apparently that's better than oh. the first time it was around. Okay, so I'll take that then above whatever it was beforehand. I can't comment on that, so it's functional. I'll okay. say that it's all functional. Rule book. Oh boy, this thing's a beast. <laughs> I, I haven't read I, it. I just I I was had just taught it. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the benefit of being taught this game by our lovely sponsor Jeff from Amazing Stories. Thank you. Uh, he taught this game to me, and he only taught that he he did a very good job to this too, because he had only played the game once before he taught it to me. And so, for this, he 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 did a really good job doing it. There's a few things that we had to look up, and the the way the rule book is laid out, it. It's kind of hard to track down like a specific one little thing that you need to kind of uh, uh, maybe talk about. So, um, yeah, it, it's very text heavy. If you've if you've actually looked at this thing, it's very very text heavy. Um, 
but the graphical layout, it, it looks, it looks good, but it's really hard to find specifics and it kind of jumps a little all over the place at, at, at times. Okay. So it's a bit of a harder rule book to, to learn, to, to maybe solely learn this game from because, and, the, and like there is quite a few, like maybe little nitpicky things, like, especially when it comes down to, um, what is considered adjacent and what's considered connected. Mm, oh yes. Kind of jumps all over the place. Uh, but it, it, it was kind of hard and they did have an example that does clarify it, but the way that it's written in the rule book, it's kind of a, it's kind of would be left to interpretation. Good thing that they did have an example, an example right. of it. Cool. But, yeah, uh, and at the very end, they have a nice little glossary of what all the different cards and icons do, which is really, really good because there's a lot of icons in this game. <laughs> but like, yes, I, there are. I, I know. I, I talked to this about, with with Jeff um, lots. Um, we're at a point where we're pretty savvy Euro gamers, where as soon as you understand what the icons do, the gameplay picks up quite oh, a bit. Yeah, and. I'm lucky that they're they're starting to kind of view they they've kind of used some icons that are very similar. Well, there's starting yeah. to become a universality with some of the some of the symbols yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's 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 the rule book. All right, game system and style. Does it have mm. style? Oh, this one has style. This this one this one's a I I, I said I'm gonna probably spoil a little bit. Um, this is one of my favorite games of this year so far. <laughs> and um, it comes right down to that action selection mechanism of placing down. I'm going to choose an action on the outside of the board. And then I also have to play a card. And if I play a card that matches the color, I also get the cards effect. That is really cool because it comes down to some de interesting decisions where it's like, I really need that action that's on the board. Yeah, but I have no card in my hand that matches that color. Give and so, take. Yeah. So do I take that action on the board and just burn a card away? Like for me, <laughs> that that that's painstaking. I feel because I feel like I'm not doing something very optimal that that time. But at the same time, it's something that I need to do. I need yeah. to I need to build some more buildings to get triggered because I only see in I only have three more turns until I get to production. And so I need to actually maybe get some things going on like that. So, so for as like with the game system, it's an engine builder. Is, is to your opinion, is it like a, a reputable engine builder? Repu reputable engine. So, so the engine building's kind of like secondary. Okay. To, to, to the, I think the card play, um, I've heard lots of people compare the card play to, of uh, like a, like a terraforming Mars type thing and the only thing that i can see that's actually uh that's actually similar to terraforming is, is the tableau building yeah uh, like you'll have a tableau of cards and some are ongoing effects and some are actions that you can take and some are production um that that that's the only thing that i would say that kind of scratches a terraforming mars it's a much different game than terraforming mars i have yet i will do not have an opinion of which one i like better <laughs> Because they both kind of do something very, very differently. In, yeah, for in, sure, in, in my opinions. But this one scratches really nice Euro, uh, thinky. Um, Jeff kind of says if you have analysis paralysis, oh. this game is going to eat you alive. Now I'm an AP guy at best. 
<laughs> that's not a that's not a secret. I didn't have troubles. I usually knew about what I wanted to do. When it came back around to my turn, I knew what I wanted to do. Well, see, that's what I like about this game is that from from what the information you hold, you can intuit looking at the board what you need to accomplish. So it's there's to me, there's not really a reason to have AP because when other people are doing their turn, short of blocking what you want to do, you could sit there and process what you mm -hmm. need to do. So yep. yeah. And this this game tends to lean towards more of a strategic side, like long-term planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In advance, like trying to meet maybe there's some end of game goals that you want to try to meet, and you're going to work your way to best meeting those. Um, very slight tactics, like like you said, some people might block you or take the action space that you want to take, and so you have to plan around that. Luckily, there's action spaces around the edge of the board that are very similar to one another, but maybe one just does it better than the yeah. other. Yeah. Um, that was the thing that I actually I haven't commented on yet. I, I liked the fact that. Um, what is it? The green action spots on the board are very weak type of actions, but the green cards themselves have really nice benefits to them. So being able to play. If so you can match a, them, they balance. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas on the opposite side, the uh, yellow orange areas, those are on the board are very powerful actions, but the cards themselves don't do anything very stellar. They're they're just kind of a they're just kind of okay kind of actions. Yeah. And then the reds are just kind of like your standard. Um, you're gonna be taking lots of red actions because those are very standard. You need to take those actions in order to progress your underwater cities. Well, this is this is a perfect mm -hmm. moment to transition to unique mechanisms because I'm I haven't talked to you directly, but I think I can allude that these cards is what I, you're digging. I, I like the piece where it's like I take an action and then if I play a card that matches that color, I also get a like another like action on top of that one. Yeah. That that's kind of you know, I haven't seen that in a game um yet. In and if it does exist, please let me know because I would probably dig it. Um but yeah and just that interconnectivity of all of the moving pieces. Like I'm trying to gain these resources to put these buildings down so that they will produce me something so that I can actually score some more points and try to score more points than my opponents and try to do it more efficiently. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like again, like that, I guess, I guess that's the sense that I have a good engine builder is that I'm, I'm starting off slower and then eventually I'm building up something that will actually like, you know, be a city under the sea after, after a while. And I've, done it better than my opponents well here's the grand question does it all connect do i feel like i'm building an underwater city <laughs> to save humanity or do i more feel like i am kind of pushing buttons and pulling levers to score points and then i have done it better than my opponents um the theme here even though i do dig the theme uh this could have been done in space. <laughs> if, so so you're that, saying that, that, just like you, a good Euro, it's all about the mechanisms. This one was more of a... Now, granted, the, the theme is very, very nifty, and it does connect. They, they've done their... They've done homework on, like, what kind of, like, what are the names of the actions that you're taking yeah. and how and how that's helping you. So on that, if you can get on board with that part, yeah, it's really, it's done really nicely. I do agree. Yeah. The theme is well-researched for sure. Yeah. But it's a, 
but this game you're going to be enjoying the gameplay and the mechanisms and the puzzle more than probably just saying hey i've built an underwater at the end at the end i've never said hey that's a pretty cool city that i built <laughs> i've usually yeah. done is like, like oh i come so close to winning or oh i i dominated the the game that time oh i'm looking at that player aid like an excel spreadsheet trying to trying to like figure out map out how many points i've made and blah 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 oh yeah yeah there's yeah. there's no hey wonder what it's like in the water today <laughs> so all right so conclusions so, so conclusions so yeah uh, on our show we kind of do the um the shelf rating absolutely is, 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 it, is it on the top shelf middle shelf bottom shelf is it in the trade pile this one i am putting on the middle shelf okay. now that that, that that may seem like a surprise too because i just said this is like one of my favorite games that i've played this year so definitely i'm going to be bold and predict that this is going to be on the top 10 at the end of the year it's but a climber the, but but on the same but at the same token it's not sitting on the very top shelf uh as of right now because it's just kind of like get get middle of the road medium weight to heavier no uh heavy nah i'm gonna put this medium weight yeah. um um euro on the little slightly more complex side but uh i've got lots of games that are on my top my my all-time top 10 that i think will do things that this game does better or they stay the same and i've kind of got more personal connection maybe if i played this game more maybe it it'll it'll do that but right now it's just it's, it's definitely never going on the bottom and it's definitely not going in a trade pile Okay, well that's it's, it's going to sit there. It's got room to grow. Good, good. Yeah. I like that because I mean, just throwing everything on the top shelf, man, that'd be a very big top shelf. It's got to have some limitations. I know. Now, spoiler alert: uh, my next, the next game that I'm going to review is also one of my favorite games of this year, and that one it might actually creep into the top shelf. Ooh. It's a game that's really, it's very good. I need to put a sound cue. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Little timpani jump. So going to keep the listeners coming back for more. So Underwater Cities. Middle Underwater, Shelf. Middle Shelf. Solid Climate. game. Yeah. And if you have a chance to play this one, you definitely need to check it out. Okay. Your first play is going to be a long one. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I've never played this few times and i've never caught myself thinking oh when is this game over i actually it's kind of interesting too because uh i've only i've only played this game at four players which is what i've heard lots of people say stay away from four players <laughs> it's a slog yeah now, it, they are longer games but they're but i've enjoyed every single game that i've played oh, and i've played this quite a few times now and they've all just been at the four player count yeah absolutely I've, cool I'd be interested to see what this is like at two player. I definitely need to try out the solo mode. Well, we'll have to get uh, we'll have to do a reprise on uh, certain certain titles that we review because uh, I think we're getting I think we're getting into like seasons now that we can go back and go. Hey, we talked about Snedonia like in the first season. Let's uh, let's way back way when. back when <laughs> in board game years. All right, are you ready for some? Uh, for some farming, some agriculture. Talking about euros. <laughs> Talking about euros, something you never see. Underwater cities could have just been farming. Could have been farming. 
take away the water. What do you got? You got <laughs> agriculture farming. Um, yeah, as long as it's not trading on the Mediterranean. Uh, so I'm going to um, have so much fun because this is, I think, one of the first games that I bought when I got into the hobby. And then I came back to it and went, oh, that's why I bought this game. And then, I, like I said before, we went on the air. I think I played this game seven times solo in like two days, three days. It's beautiful. I'm talking about La Granja from designers. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. That's that, that, that a good time. Ding. Um, uh, from the designers, Andreas, I'm going to just butcher this. Andreas Odendahl and Michael Keller or Keeler. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll set off for that. All right. Um, uh, La Granja. I think it's Spanish for like, for like the farm. Okay. But uh, actually what it, I have in my mind is that ZZ top song. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah that's uh, Oh, I'm going to go on a tangent here. I can't allow that to happen. But okay. uh, so this game uh, was, is published. It first came out um, in Germany by Spielworks and then, um, uh, Stronghold Games brought it to North America. So thank you very much, Stronghold Games, because I love this game. Spoiler! Thank you, Mr. Bonacore. Yeah. Um, it plays one of four players. Um, like, you're, like, you know, four players, your standard Euro thing. Um, so the nuts and bolts. Let's get some nuts and bolts. So a dramatic reading of the overview. I think that's what people are asking for. So here we go. In La Grand Hall. La Grand Hall. La Grand Hall. <laughs> Players control small farms by the Alpish Pond near the village of Esperales on the island of M Majorca. I think I got that. During the course of the game, players develop their farms and deliver goods to the village as they vie to earn the title of La Granja for their country estate. Timing is critical. La Granja is a, a fascinating game that requires careful planning. Successful players must learn to cope with the uh, uh, the um, vagaries I don't even know what that word means man <laughs> of the Dyson card I think the variances of the Dyson cards um, so La Granja right away it's a Euro it's farming but it does it in such an interesting manner so I'm going to go through uh, um, some of the I guess the layout and the mechanisms and the easiest way I can do is just to start by the board. So on the board um, in the center, you have what's the market area. And uh, I'll come back later to talk about where this influence came from because the designers themselves put little side notes or these little kind of like behind the scenes uh, 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 things in the rule book that I totally appreciated. Mm -hmm. So you have this market area um, that's a hexagonal kind of map uh, reminiscent of the Luna game board. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so when you make your market deliveries to the board, like to the market, you it's there's going to be this area control because the cards, the market cards or the wheelbarrows that you fill up to bring to market will have, um, you know, two, three, four, five, or six on it. Those reflect um, the... I would say the amount of goods needed and the amount of victory points that you receive and the location in the market of dominance because it's area control, area influence thing going on in this market area. Um, 
it'll make sense when I talk about the game board and the cards because the cards are brilliant. I just love them. Mm -hmm. That's my so, favorite part. Oh, absolutely. So um, outside of this market area, you have cr uh, buildings, uh, revenue spaces, um, are these buildings that you can also deliver goods to. So instead of completing on your card, and it's a multi-use uh, card, and I'll get deeper into that later, but one of the parts of this card is that that market borough or wheelbarrow you know, that, you, that you bring to market. But you can also deliver to the specific buildings that have on the buildings, like one of them is if I deliver three pigs, then I am able to uh, use a instantaneous action and an ongoing uh, um, action in the game by successfully completing that market building. Another one is six coins. Another one is one of each um, uh, upgraded goods. Uh, another one is one of six, like a collection of all six different goods. Another one is um, there's the, uh, the special crates that you get that are basically wild cards. There's there's a market that if you deliver three of those, you get to you get one free, and you generate every turn one of these wild card uh, crates. And uh, on the bottom as well, there's um, uh, the harvest goods where you have to uh, deliver two of each of the harvest goods. And when I talk about the board, I'll explain that part too. So the board has so much going on that is similar but different. Right, the centers mm -hmm. that market area control competition, but then the deliveries to the outside are just get my upgrades and get my instantaneous reward and my ongoing uh, um, uh, uh, upgrade to my farm, which can differentiate, which can make everybody's board different. You know, run uniquely to that uh, that player's efforts. Um, let's get to the farm cards. There's 66 farm cards, and I'm, I mean. I'm always hoping that, you know, the easiest expansion to a game that has cards is give them more cards. <laughs> but these there's 66 farm cards. So let me describe this farm card to you. So if you're looking at the card, on the top, you will see um, a little area of goods that you need to deliver. That's your wheelbarrow um, or market barrel area of your card. That, and the player board is so cool. You've got this cardboard. It looks like this weird cutout, kind of like abandoned kindergarten project because there's so many cutout notches to it, right? On the top, there's this unique way that you slide the card in so it just reveals that market barrel um, card area. Um, so that's on the top. Or you have th three... Um, market barrows that you can have on the go. Um, on the left-hand side of your player board are your harvest, your your, uh, your field or your agriculture area. You have um, uh, wheat, you have uh, um, olives, and you have grapes. Now, the wheat and the olives can get upgraded into food, and the grapes can get upgraded into, into wine. So with those three resources, you've created five different resources that you can add to this, I guess, recipe card of market barrows. Mm -hmm. um, on the bottom, <laughs> the bottom is looks like big, huge teeth in me, in, in my opinion, because there's these big cutout uh, um, notches that in the center of the card, from the bottom of the card, all the way up to meet where the market barrow artwork is on the card, you have this cylinder of information that are um, people that you can hire to help run your 
uh, farm and such unique abilities that uh, right away you could go so asynchronous on, on your farm as compared to everybody else's that the engine that you start developing with the people that you hire to your farm and the fields that you plant. Um, and, and again, I will get to the farm extension side because that's the last part of the board to explain um, that there's this wild chaotic synergy that can start mm -hmm. to develop that you need to pay attention to and harness in order to, and again, it's that whole efficiency thing, right? Cause you do not have that that much time. And uh, I'll get to the, the turn structure and the, and the, uh, and the game time. Um, but, to finish off, so yeah, in, in the bottom, in the middle, are your the hired hand section or the the, the helper section. Um, on the right hand side is the farm extensions that you can get, and on the farm extensions, the thing about this game is it's a card driven game with a whole bunch of euro, you know, cube resource movement. But um, on the farm extension side, you start with a limit of three of these cards in your hand of these 66 farm cards. Um, and on the right hand side, there's a part where it says, okay, if you slide this card on this side to create a farm extension, there's a chance that you could get uh, one of four upgrades uh, or I think I've seen the most, I've seen three uh, upgrades on one card. And from top to bottom, you can have an extra card uh, in your hand, or you can have an extra delivery. If you spend a, a, a coin, you can have an extra delivery to market, which at, mm -hmm. I mean, like a Euro, I am one coin short of making this whole thing work. Right. Um, so you get to add your ability to make more deliveries. If you so choose, there's a slot where it just helps you generate revenue. Here's a coin. Every time you do your, your income harvest, here's a coin. The one I love the most is there's peg stalls. Yeah, the extending your how many yeah. pigs you can hold. So it's like you want to start breeding pigs, you better start putting cards in that is uh, that's going to, uh, um, you know, elongate or increase the capacity of your of your pig barn. Right um, now, the pig barn is another one of those upgrades where you can pay the upgrade to butcher your pig, so that now you have. And I love the picture that they use: nice pork chops, because mm -hmm. you know. Schnitzel, isn't that, <laughs> is that right? Right, pounded pork chops. Schnitzel, yep. Mm, okay, um, so that's pretty much uh, the quick rundown. There's one thing that I have not pointed out yet on this game board that is crucial: um, is you have the roof tiles of your barn, and the roof tiles will tie into how this game progresses. You'll have five empty roof, uh, you know kind of holes in your roof that you have to patch up as you're going. Those roof tiles are the turn structure. There are six turns in this game. And after six turns, it's done. So, I mean, I haven't done the math to count out how many how many actions you have per, per turn, but it, it's, again, one of these efficiency engine things. So uh, six turns um, on your turn, this is how it works. You play a card. Uh, to either to your harvest area, to your worker area, to your market barrow, or to your uh, farm extension. You have on your turn, you have one card out of your hand of three or four, depending upon your extensions. So the, the scrutiny and decision making right there, I am not AP, but holy moly, I get stuck so bad wow. sitting down going, 
what's more valuable, this worker or the fact that I have another wheat field because yeah. I have a worker that says all wheat field products can be turned into any other harvest good. Holy moly, what do I do? What do I do? I need another pig. Do I use this card? Right? So you've played this game. You know what I'm talking about. Yep, this <laughs> is one of my favorite things that a Euro game can do. Multiple use cards. That oh, and they, uh, to a little spoiler, they, they, uh, they, high they did, uh, you know, a shout out to Carl Chudik about taking that exact thing from it. So, yeah, multi-use cards. Love them. Oh, yeah. Glory to Rome. Um, Bruges. The Steffenfeld Bruges. Oh, man. Yeah. Multi-use cards. Yeah. Gotta love them. So, first round, you play a card. Then you after you do after you dedicate a, a single card to your farmer area, then you go into uh, your uh, economy. So it's like if, if you get paid, you get paid, or if you get from these from the the markets where you get the instant um, uh, reward and the ongoing upgrades. That's where these kick in. After that is harvest time. So you drop cubes or the little hexagonal. Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah markers right the wooden yep. markers um in your field these markers represent everything they could be harvest goods they could be pigs they could be crates they could be depending on where you place them they take on another identity um and also if you have two pigs well in that season pigs gonna make pigs so you, boom you you put more pigs down um at the end of that is when you have the option to buy one of these roof tiles and the roof tile will have you know, a, a, a special action or, you know, uh, an ability to do something that's unique to the game that just gives you that extra bonus. And it also, as you progressively go from left to right, covering up the roof tiles, by covering them up, you gain yourself victory points, which is, at the end of this game, it's all about the victory points. Yep. Um, after that, this is when I when I when I played this the first time. I love this dice part with the whole um, you know generating even more resources market. So you roll the dice on the left hand side of the board is uh, uh, there's going to be options that your dice will fall into depending on the numbers generated by this roll. So uh, if it's a one, you could get an extra pig. If it's a two, you could play a card, get an olive, get a some wheat or some grapes. If you roll a three, you can get two harvest goods uh, that are different. If you roll a four, you just get straight out four coins. If you get a five, you can either do two upgrades or split it between uh, a siesta and an upgrade or two siestas. And I'll explain that siesta because anytime there's an initiative order, there's a darn good reason for it. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Oh, yes. <laughs> Just like underwater cities, man. Initiative order, that was crucial in oh. some choices, right? Yes. So, um, and then to round this out, the sixth spot is you either get uh, uh, an extra delivery or you get two coins. So when you go through that process, you put the dice on the board and it's dice drafting now. You go around, the, which is another thing, drafting. I love the drafting mechanism, Right. Uh, and then the uh, depending on the amount of players, the last dice remaining, everybody is rewarded with that resource. Once you get through that uh, uh, part of the uh, uh, of the gameplay, you then go into um, the delivery part, which is, oh man, if you think that deciding what card to play on your board is difficult, <laughs> deciding so you get four chits 
and each chit and it's this is hidden information because this is that whole gambling thing i don't want to let my my competition know when i'm going to start you know knocking out some big deliveries because that's part of that area control in the middle that generates victory points so do you hold on to your big guns in the you know do you play them in the beginning or do you play your big point cards at the at the end of the game comes down to these square chits that you pick that um there'll be four spots uh, they could be occupied by four donkeys, which tell you that I'm going to do four deliveries, or they could be four, uh, um, uh, three siesta hats and one donkey. Now, I might as well talk about the siesta hats because on the right-hand side of the board is this siesta track. And uh, I, I would like to do some research on the, the whole cultural connection with siestas and and. Uh, and uh, quality of life. <laughs> but if you could start collecting these hats, you start moving yourself like a good euro up the initiative track. And the higher you get, guess what? The more points you get. Points you get. So there's a strategy in having initiative order, getting some points, but it comes down to delivering your farm goods to the market or to the buildings. Um, so... And then once that whole system cycles through and everybody reveals what they're doing, now there's four, you, uh, the math people are going six rounds and four chits. That doesn't work out. That's <laughs> the best part is that once you run through the four on round five and six, you've got access again back to these big, you know, do I want huge deliveries or do I want to just push that siesta track victory point thing? Um, and then to round out the end of the game, is the last stage stage four is scoring every end of end of the season you basically look at who's uh in control of the uh, you know first of all how many markets how many stalls do you have in the market you get the victory point for each um where is your uh siesta track you get victory points for that then you do um your adjustments then you reset your tiles and then that is a round right there rinse and repeat do that six times calculate your victory points and then you are the winner of La Granja. I could take a sip because I think I just nailed through my mechanisms and my how to win. I was about to say, I, I didn't think that this game had much more going on than Underwater Cities, but it's got a lot more things going on than Underwater Cities. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a process and a recipe, man, but it's, it's so tuned. I just I can't get over how tuned this is. Um, let's it, go. Oh, go it, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, but it just everything you just said. Like it seems like a lot of information, but once you play, it flows. Yeah. Everything flows very very nicely. Because you've played this, but a long time ago, right? Yes. Yes. Like I think 2015, maybe. <laughs> I don't think it's been I, that. I don't think it's been that long. But well, that uh, picture, that Facebook picture I sent you, what that was three years ago, right? Yeah, this would have been about that. It would have been that time. Two. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, but wow. and it's and and you uh, thinking about it, you can remember the game system, right? Yes. So, to me, what you just said about the whole fluidity of it, it's still in your I bet you if I took this game out, you'd look at it, get one round in and go, "Got it." Okay, I remember. Training wheels are off. Let's go, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so now that it's fresh in your head, let's run through some opinions. The box art, um, it's very, it's got this kind of uh, um, uh, farmhouse, Spanish-looking farmhouse, and I'm going on Spanish because, I, I mean, I'm going to ignorantly make the connection. Um, 
kind of nestled in these trees and it looks so peaceful, looks so calming, looks like I could just hang out on that porch and have a siesta. Yeah, it, as it, I watch it, my it's a very it's a very elegant looking yeah. box. Um I this is before I even knew the depth of what Spielworks represented. Now that I that now that I remake this connection that it's like this is originally a Spielworks game. Yeah, it's it's got a humming like the engine inside this box is humming properly and it's so quiet that you don't even know like how powerful this game is, right? Oh, yes, like um some some other Spielworks titles that I'm fairly familiar I'm not going to I'm not going to say one because it, I'm going to review it on my next on our next episode, but Okay. I got I got a very similar um vibe gameplay wise uh like how how things kind of just integrate so smoothly and one thing flows into the next and this decision affects that decision um it, it it's a really nice um trait and quality in, in a spielworks game that i really am coming to enjoy you've just described this game's like system i love it um yeah so the and the box art is very reflective of the board art it's that same um muted uh, um greens and kind of summertime right it's that whole nice summertime feel um it feels like a farm it looks like a farm the, the the art's great the components the cards are awesome the the car the cardboard quality is awesome uh mm -hmm. there's no flimsy nothing's flimsy in the hand um the uh the the wood components i mean i love simplicity because some it's just like food. Simple food is so hard to cook because there's nothing to hide behind. Mm -hmm. A yeah. good game is a simple game because there's nothing to hide. I mean, they could have had, you know, uh, uh, wheat meeples and grape meeples. But it's like, no, it's it's frivolous, right? Um, the only, I guess, in as far as components go, the only thing that I would have to have like a, an opinion about is because I like dice and I like when dice have some weight and some mass to it, they use wooden dice. Oh, yes, yes. That roll, they, I mean, they roll light, right? Um, but again, that's a subjective thing. That has nothing to do, that doesn't change the quality of the game at all. No. Right? So I, I, that's just my own preference. I like, I mean, I, I, if I wanted to, I could swap that out with something that, uh, you know, um, but to be to be nitpicky, I guess that would be the only thing as far as components. Uh, the rule book and the readability and the learning curve, um, it's it, it's so it makes such logical sense. And I, and again, I, I, that's always subjective because I'm always told that I don't read enough fiction because I love reading textbooks and I love reading research. I love I love stuff that has a very sequential concept to it. Um, and this is this has that logical sequential concept to it. Um, as far as finding information, easy, fast. Uh, what I what I think I'll take the opportunity now. What I did like the most is when they would put some notes, like designer notes, in the book. And uh, mm. I'll, I'll read this end note because this is where they give the the kudos to um, what what makes this game so fantastic? Um, so Michael Keller's Dice for the Galaxy formed the basis of the design of Lagranja. The dice distribution mechanic originates in the uh, unpublished design Ariba by Matthias Matz Kramer and was the inspiration for the dice distribution system of this game. In Glory for Rome, 
Uh, Carl Chudik demonstrated an outstanding way to use cards. Hopefully we came up with a nice variation. The central element in the city of the table was inspired by the temple in Luna uh, by Stefan Feld. So uh, they, they outright um, basically say where, where their influence came from. Just like musicians saying, hey, we grew up listening to Zeppelin and, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, the Stones, or you know, like British pop, and that's probably why their stuff sounds like that because of of what they've, you know, they've admitted to had a a, a core influence in in the the create the creative process. Or like good artists, I like a bit of that. I like a bit of that. I like a bit of that. I'm gonna put it together and make it my own. Oh yes, no, I, re I remember the very first time that you introduced me to this game, um, back when I was like by huge Stefan Feld fanboy days everything. You were just kind of like saying, Hey, this was kind of, Hey, this is if Stefan Feld and Uwe Rosenberg had a love child together. Oh, absolutely. And that was, that was your, that was your, um, that was your initial asset. Okay, let's go. Let's play it. <laughs> I, I don't need anything more. Yeah, that was, I mean, and again, in my novice at that time, I was just new into it. And those were the two that I latched into right away. And, uh, and when I played this, I just thought, there's, I had to look and see who designed this because I thought it was either one of the two and it wasn't, it was a hybrid, right? It was this, I mean, like any big fan would be like, I love this stuff and I love this stuff and I'm going to make my version of it. Man. So um, I, th I think we kind of covered game system and style right there. Uh, as far as like farming games, uh, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make it, uh, admit, I'm going to admit something here that you're going to probably judge me about, but I have owned this game for a while and I've yet to play it, but I, I haven't played Agricola. <laughs> I still find that so hard. To, I still find that so hard to believe. You mean you I haven't played have, Agricola? So, so I could say this is the best farming game out there, but that would be out of context because I have to provide that understanding that, and I know Joe right now is probably throwing his earbuds out. I can't listen to you anymore. You haven't played Agricola. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know that. I know. Sorry. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. I'll play Agricola. Um, uh, but that being said, uh, I this is just such a, a fun system and style. Like you like you demonstrated before, Spielworks, um, they do their homework and they make sure that their games are top-notch in regards to how they play, right? So, yeah. Um, unique mechanism. I think everything I just talked about that is mentioned by, from the designers themselves in the end notes is, is that, that the unique mashup, the yeah. unique mashup of these different things of the multi-use cards to the, uh, the, the central farm market majority thingamajigger to and the distribution and, and, and resource generation. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think the unique mechanism is the system as a whole. Yeah, the collection of the mechanisms yeah. is what makes this game unique. Yeah, um, and I mean, I like our. We always finish this part up, but does it all connect? Do I feel like a farmer? I mean, what is farming? Farming is just like an Excel spreadsheet that grows. Could this game have been underwater cities? Could this? Could we have been trying to do something with it? <laughs> I could mean, you have been could you have been doing this in space? The the fact that I have to make an effort to see if if it would work on another another theme, like the fact I can't instantly pop up with one is is the answer is no. This is pretty connected to its 
like the theme and mechanisms are are, are a nice tight cog system. They 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 work they work because they fit together so well. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right so on. yeah, it connects. I like it. Um, but going in with the understanding that that this is a euro, and and there's resource moving around. Right, we're not rolling dice. We're not beating up other farmers. Yeah. <laughs> um, conclusion. Uh, well, I, I, I'm I'm you're gonna tell me what shelf this is on. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. You know what shelf <laughs> this is on. Oh, this is top shelf for you. Top shelf, dead center, right? <laughs> this is sitting right beside Trois and uh, and Brussels, uh, eighteen ninety three. <gasps> I love that game too. Oh, but yeah. So I've, my top shelf has got some some heavy Euro hitters on there. So um, yeah, that's I, I yeah. I mean, without saying anything else that we haven't said already, this if you have not played this game and you like that farming euro and and like we described the this multi-layered uh, um mechanisms yeah you gotta give this a try okay and i'm sorry if you have to spend money because uh, you know well, well like not like this, this game this game's not out of print no no you, know, you, you no. can still find this regularly and yeah, no, but I, I feel bad by but you know what this with this game if I said go buy this game, if you if you like everything I've been talking about, then I I, I don't think I'll feel too bad because you'll be happy. Oh yes, yeah. And if you're not happy, then you tell me, and I'll say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, wow, well, that was a great that was a great that was a whirlwind. That was a, that was a good one. That, that we had a. No whirlwind was not the right word. That that that, that was a windfall. That's a yeah. We, we, we did a lot of like these. These were these were not um, simple games. Like, no, we to, tied to, to describe. No, nope. I, oh. I I I I think I went without breathing when I talked about the whole mechanisms part. <laughs> I know, but there's but each of these games, like we said, there there's there's complexity to them. There's lots of moving pieces, but once you get into the groove of each of these, yeah, uh, it, it 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 they flow very nicely. I like that. There's complexity, but there's not difficulty. Yes, yes, and I and I think that that's where some people start getting um, when they say a game is heavy yeah. or a game is light and everything. I'm, I'm I'm starting to pick up that I think we're starting to talk about complexity. Yeah, in in, in a game, but like we we talked about Lisboa the the other week with when when Rob was here, like like that's a complex game, but but the but the mechanism of the game is very simple yeah it's not difficult yeah it's not it's not a difficult game play a card pick up a card <laughs> yeah that is the most underrated thing i've ever heard out of uh out of uh, vital's uh, vocabulary that's easy just play a card pick up a card yeah so when we talk about game weights i think for us for you and me i think we're talking about complexity yeah yeah so. yeah how hard is it for my brain to figure this out and even the games that are that are rated high in in weight i figure i'm like that is not a complex game but yeah. i think that that's just our maturity now and as as gamers well and i mean just like like any any other hobby any other thing like me listening to music somebody will listen to jazz and will understand it they'll listen to you know 
speed metal and they will it'll just sound like noise to them right and then vice versa someone will listen it's like ah nobody's playing the same notes how can you listen to jazz no you <laughs> have to listen to the sound as a whole right so yeah no i mean uh, that's and i think that's important that people start talking about these games so that um there's more perspective and there's more uh, you know um ability to make decisions so right cool. on that being said that being said, I think this episode is coming to a close. It's a, I think I think it's a wrap. I think that I think that was a good one. It's starting to get late. It's that's a wrap. I need to have a I need to have a a coffee and then uh, go to bed. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> okay, at, so, at Admiral Snack Bar. It's yeah, a wrap. It's a wrap. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm here all week. week. Try the veal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've been your host, Norm. And I have been Ryan. Take care. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. And on Board Game Geek, guild number 3039.